welcome to episode six of BYOB, Be Your Own Bliss, the podcast. I am your host, Lisa Thruston, doing a special intro today because I have a very special guest. I am interviewing Taylor Proctor of Happiness Abound. She is a transformational happiness mentor, a happiness podcaster, and a speaker. She blends so seamlessly her experiences as a global marketing director, leading international teams, mentoring certifications to help clients and individuals who find themselves maybe wishing they had more purpose, more peace, more happiness in their life. And with all of those tools, she helps people discover their personal happiness routines, which is what I was really drawn to about Taylor was that she was so very dialed into making this specific to the person and that knowing that no one happiness routine is for everybody. And so she really works with people to uncover and implement a life they have always dreamed of. So she is great about sharing actionable techniques, exercises that really inspire positive change. It becomes change you really want to make, uh, increases your confidence, encourages vulnerable leadership, and she just is so great at reminding people that they are capable of all kinds of happiness and of course happiness abound. So we had an amazing discussion and she gives some really great tips and tricks for you to start creating happiness in your life now. Um, This is one that you're going to want to bookmark, you're coming back to, you're going to take notes because she just gives you some really great information on how to create more happiness in your life. So without further ado, Let's get to the good stuff. All right. Perfect. Taylor, thank you so much for taking some time to visit with me. So as you heard in my intro, visiting with Taylor Proctor of Happiness Abound, correct? Yes. All right. So if you would just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, kind of tell us a little bit of background and how you got to this happiness mentor status and maybe a little bit of your backstory to give us a flavor of who you are. Sure. So yeah, uh, so excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, as you had mentioned, my name is Taylor Proctor and I am a transformational happiness mentor, which seems like a awkward title. If you were like, what, what is this? How did you become a happiness mentor? As far as I'm aware, I'm the only one in the world. So there is that going for me, but I used to be so angry and so frustrated and I would feel overwhelmed and I would put things off and I would fight with my husband and I would just be like, the only way I can describe it is I was the angriest person I have ever met. And I just lived in this world of having a temper and then feeling bad and feeling shame around that, but never really uncovering what was really going on. And it took my husband saying this a few times before I actually kind of clicked, but he knew me back when I was younger and before life had kind of kicked me around like it can do for some of us. And he knew me and he knew when I used to be happy and outgoing and hyper. And here he was married to me when I was a rage monster at the drop of a hat. And so he said to me a few times and the last time it finally resonated, I was ready to hear it. But he asked me, where did you go? 
You used Ooh. to be so happy all the time. And, and now you're just angry every second of every day. And that took a minute, but <laughs> I realized, I realized it was coming from a space of, cause he said it a few times before over the years. But at that point I realized that he was right. And I realized that if I kept going down this path, I was going to lose him. And there was no threat or anything like that around it. It was just him speaking with me, communicating. But I realized that if I kept this up, I was probably going to end in divorce. I realized that this anger that I had was holding me back on so many things. I, my relationships at work, I wasn't getting considered for promotions or for uh, job opportunities or even to work on projects to grow in my career because I was so angry all the time. Nobody wanted to work with me right? I wasn't cultivating those relationships. So my career and professional development was struggling. My ability to make more money was struggling because of it. My relationship was struggling. And then I was eating my feelings, right? If it wasn't anger, everything else I was eating. So it was like hands of frosting at night and just crap food. And I, I was miserable. I was so sad and I had, I felt like I didn't have any self-worth and I had to protect myself through being angry all the time. And I was frustrated and I, like I mentioned, I was putting things off. Like I had things I wanted to do. I had things on my to-do list that I needed to do even. And I would just put that off and I would watch TV or scroll on social media and then just be angry all the time. And so when my husband had said that and I was ready and I realized this was my life, I asked myself, what, what do I want? And I realized that like all of us, I just wanted to be happy. And one of the core things that I realized in all of this, as I went, okay, what do I want? I want to be happy is that I had this expectation, this expectation that happiness was inherent. So I should be happy. And when I wasn't, I would feel like I was wrong, like I was broken or I was defective. And then that would push everything else forward, right? The anger, the frustration, the fighting, the binge eating, like all of these things. And it was because I had this expectation and this belief that happiness should be inherent. And what it is, is there's a separation. It's inherent for all of us to have the desire to be happy. Happiness itself is not inherent. And when we can shift that and understand that happiness can be a skilled or a, a learned skill and can be a mindset that we can cultivate, that takes it back from being something that feels like we should be, but we aren't, and so we're wrong, to something we can control, we can learn, and we can grow in. So I started taking those steps, putting in place the happiness habits of my life, and then after several years of doing that for myself, and then looking back and going, wow, I actually am happy, and I don't get angry at the drop of a hat anymore, and this is awesome, and I actually really enjoy my life. I realized that there's probably other people out there who were and are just like I was. And so I started my company, Happiness Abound, became a certified mentor, started my own podcast, also called Happiness Abound, to really help people who are like me move forward in their life and discover that they are capable of Happiness Abound. Well, and I think, like you had said, you don't, it's, you don't realize how much that kind of starts to infect everything. And it's like these tentacles, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm angry about this. And then all of a sudden it doesn't go away. And then, like you said, it was at work and it was at home and it starts to really affect all of these relationships. And 
it can kind of, we put our blinders on, I think a lot of times, you notice that where it's like, oh, well, I'm as happy as I can be. I mean, I'm not as mad as my cube mate maybe, but <laughs> you come to this point where you're like, is this, like you said, is where did you go? Where does that happy, that space where you're like, I used to enjoy life a little bit more than I do now. And it can kind of get lost in the shuffle of everyday life. I wanted to circle back to your shoulds because this yeah. is something that I talk to a lot of my clients about is when we're talking about health and wellness, like I do, most people come to me with, well, I should be eating this way. I should be working out this way and I should be looking this way because that's what people keep telling me. And to kind of break that habit <laughs> of the shoulds and realize that we have way more, uh, there's a wider spectrum of what it can look like. So talk to me a little bit about these happiness shoulds that maybe you found or maybe that you start to help other people with. Yeah. And I think there's two directions here. One, uh, whenever I encounter someone who's like, I should be happier or I should be grateful or I should this, I should this. I always ask them just to change two letters and make it could. Ooh. I could be happy. I could, and, and mean happy is a general one, but like I could eat better. That makes it feel like it's a choice versus like you're forcing yourself and you're not doing it. And that can help disintegrate the self-shame and beating up. But one of the things that I see or several of the things that I see when it comes to happiness and the shoulds is that we have accepted as a society, this societal checklist of this idea and concept that you should get a degree and then you should get a good job and you should be making lots of money and then you should have a great spouse and you should have a great family and then you should have that great car and that great house and also yeah you should have that successful business or that successful corner that corner office and all of that will equal success and particularly in america we right. think that success equals happiness so we follow that checklist and all these misconceptions around what happiness can be for us. And we think that we should be doing these things and that will equal happiness. But when in the clients that I work with, when they've achieved all of those things, they look around and they go, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled, but I did everything that I was supposed to do. I should be happy. And then that cultivates those feelings of defectiveness and broken because if it's working for everyone else, why isn't it working for me? But the thing is, is it's not working for everyone else. And many of the clients that I work with, we, we come across this idea that in the, in the middle of that, we should be happy. We should be grateful for what we have. And if we're not, then we're shooting huh, all over everyone. Right. Yep. But also um, we're beating ourselves up about it. So there's this concept of we can be happy. We just have to discover what happiness means to us in a personalized space. Just like you said, in health and wellness. There's so many options out there that you can't subscribe to just one until you've tried a few and you know what works for you as an individual and what connects to your identity and can help you move forward. And that doesn't mean, this is what I see a lot, is that you have all these things you've made on the checklist that you should be doing, should, and then you want to be happy. We also have this belief that I've worked so hard for here that if I want to be happy, I have to throw all of that away and start over. And then that's scary. And that's just simply not the case. There's just so many beliefs and misconceptions out there around happiness and around success even that opens up the door and the opportunity for us to should all over ourselves when really we could just make it a quick could 
And that opens up our options to feel like it's more of a decision and in our control. So do you find that a big portion of like the mindset work that you have to start with people is helping them to redefine what happiness means? Because it's, you know, I'm super familiar with the checklist, you know, like you said, we're kind of indoctrinated almost from the get go of like, this is what success looks like here, especially in the US. And this is what you have to do because once you get to this point, then all of this stuff happens. It's very much like, yeah, in my world, in the weight loss, when you talk about that, it's like, if you've hit this specific weight, you wear this right size, then that's when the perfect spouse happens. That's when the job hits. That's when you're free to do your, your dream life. But it's like that goalpost keeps moving and you never quite get to that point where you're like, oh, but now it says I have to have this in order to be happy. So how do people start to define what happiness really means for them? Yeah. So I have a formula, which is interesting. I hesitate to say formula because happiness is such a unique entity to every person, but uh, I work with my clients on helping them establish and find where they fit in this formula. And the formula is identity plus vision plus mindset plus leadership equals happiness. And the thought there is, especially with the range of the shoulds and the moving goalposts, it's important to know who you are, right? So start with identity. Understand your templates and your functions in the world. For example, if I'm going to use a health and wellness example in my own personal life, over the years, I have tested and trialed things out and I realized that I actually have a garlic intolerance. Had no idea. My whole life had no idea. And I would get sick every time we'd go out to eat all of these things. And so I would test and trial and try to figure it out. And I would do my research. And then I realized, oh, I think I have a garlic intolerance, which can take anywhere between 20 minutes after eating garlic to 24 hours. So it's really hard to kind of identify yeah. and figure out. But in a health and wellness space for like eating well, garlic's in everything. <laughs> yes, so I had to realize that like, okay, there was this idea that I should be able to eat garlic, but it doesn't work for me. My body does not do well with it. And my brain gets foggy. I'm more emotional. Like there's so many other components that come when I eat garlic that I realized that while everyone else feels, it feels like everyone else is eating garlic. And there's this idea that in my brain that I should eat garlic. I know that it's not the best thing for me. So as I look at this identity piece, even something as small and simple as like, well, I don't eat garlic. It's this idea and concept that figure out what works for you in the world. And that can eliminate a lot of the shoulds and a lot of those misbeliefs. And that can help us then know what we really want and establish the vision we want for our life. Then the goalpost doesn't move because you are, you know who you are, you know what you want, and you start to enjoy the moment because you're like, instead of going, oh, I should have so-and-so ran five miles this morning. I should run five miles. Well, maybe you're not a runner, but maybe you love yoga and you do that every day. And that's perfect for you, right? So it allows you to really stop the comparison and focus on the happiness now. And then after you have your identity, your vision, then it's all about the mindset. It is breaking those beliefs and those mindsets around like, well, so-and-so is doing this. Maybe I should. And that's not saying you shouldn't try it, test it out. But if it doesn't work, don't beat yourself out just, or beat yourself up, you just eliminate that from the equation and try something else. And then that's where leadership comes in, is having a leadership mindset over your life. So many of us want to escape because we're comparing ourselves. We feel 
like we should be doing more. There's the shoulds again, right? We could be doing better. All of these components and that can be overwhelming. So then we just sit down and we binge watch TV or we overeat or we ever scroll on social media and leadership piece comes in because you now know who you are. You know what you want. You're working through those mindsets, those belief breakthroughs of where you want to be, where you want to be, who you want to be. And then how do you lead your life in a way that can reflect that direction? And that all combined with living in the moment across those is the formula for happiness. But you can see that it's not me saying, checklist, 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 this equals happiness, everyone. It's not that at all. It's finding your unique identity, your unique vision, breaking those beliefs that you have so you can be expanded and understand there's so much more that you can go for than just what that checklist is, and then leading your life in a way to help you go that direction. Well, I, I really love that like leadership piece about it because it is really kind of about you being like the CEO of of all of this where it's like, there's a trial and error to it. There's a curiosity to it. And I think approaching it from that perspective, as opposed to there are concrete black and white things to do, which I know a lot of people <laughs> are like, yeah, but I need the list. Can't you just tell me what I'm supposed to do? And that can be a little bit, I don't wanna say off putting, but can throw people off balance if they're like, ooh, but I'm not used to having maybe this much control over what I want to do and what I can do. So how do you help people who it can be really hard to get out of, but nobody else in my life is doing things this way. So maybe you're now the outlier. Maybe now you're this person who has started on this journey to figure out what happiness means to them, but maybe people around them, and this is going to kind of pose, I did a little bit of a deep dive on your blog, which is amazing, by the way, you've got, she's got some really great articles and resources out there. And one of the, your early articles was, I will lose friends if I'm happy. So <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that? Because sometimes this can really change significant relationships in your life. Yeah. So I think in that space, it's best for me to share a personal story. So same husband. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually went to a like personal development conference. It was one of my, it was, it was the first one. And I just felt really called to do vision boards and the way that it had been taught to me, there's so many different ways, but the way it had been taught to me was to put something up on the wall and then say what you want, like stand in front of the wall, say what you want and be visualizing it as you go. And then on top of that, like say it in a way that it can get into your brain easier. So whisper it and then yell it and then say it in a singing song voice and laugh while you're saying it and all these things. Well, at that time I was like, I need to wake up early to do this because I won't do it otherwise. And I just need to, I need to get it together. Right. That's <laughs> terrible thought. But I, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to suddenly start waking up early and do all these things. But in the back of my mind, I was like, oh man, what is my husband going to think of this? Because yeah, I'm going to be up at 4 a.m. yelling at the wall. Like that's just <laughs> weird, right? So yeah. I'm like, I go to this conference. I'm feeling like I should do this. I want to do this. I want to try this. Like this is going to be the thing. Like, and there's moments in your life where you can feel like this is the step that will get me to that next direction. And I am scared to death to do it. Oh yeah. 
And it's like, why am I so scared to yell at a wall? Like, it's so silly. It's whatever. But I realized that I was so scared of what my husband would think. So I put it off for like two or three weeks. And then I was like, okay, I'm just keep on getting that feeling like I need to do this. I need to do this. So we're driving. And I don't remember where we were driving to or from, but I'm like, hey, I got to talk to you about something. He's like, all right. I was like, um, do you remember that conference that I went to? Uh, yeah, I really want to do this thing from it. And I think it might be kind of weird. It's a little woo woo. And I, and he and I, side note, if you can't tell already, I'm very action oriented. And so is he. So like putting something up on the wall and just talking to it is a little more woo woo. And there's so much more that goes into it that is actionable, but that's like, I was afraid that was going to be his belief on it. And it kind of was mine. So it's like, I, I'm going to, Put this vision board up on the wall and I'm going to get up early and I'm going to talk to it. And I just don't want you to think I'm weird. Like, what do you think? <laughs> and, and not that I needed his permission because we don't have that kind of relationship, but I was just worried about it. And he's like, no, like go for it. But keep in mind, this is the same guy who was like, where'd you go? He wants me to be happy. <laughs> I was so worried that he was going to like be weirded out by it or see me differently. And so I was like, so scared. And he just said, no, like, that's awesome. Like, go for it. If that's, what's going to help you do it. I'm like, okay, great. So then five minutes goes by, we're still driving. And I'm just sitting there going, there's something else. Like, I don't, why? I still don't feel like this is solved, even though I'm now I'm like, okay, he'll still love me. And I can't help myself. And I blurt out, I'm afraid that you're going to feel left behind. Ooh. Yeah. And he was like, what? And I was like, uh, I'm afraid how this is going to make you feel. Because if I put this up on the wall and I do it and I start getting all of these things that I want in my life and I'm progressing and I'm growing and I'm transforming my life and you're not doing it with me or you're just whatever about it, I'm afraid how it's going to make you feel. And I'm afraid I'm going to like have you feel like I'm leaving you behind when I don't want to. That's not my intention at all, but I've got to kind of focus on me. Right. And he was like, no, he's so good. He was like, no. If I have a problem with this and how, how it makes me feel is my own problem, my own business. He's like, I want you to be happy and, and whatever you need to do to start putting that together to be happy, it's going to benefit both of us so much more. Keep in mind, he's really sick of fighting with me at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, yes, please be happy. Yell at the wall. That'll work. But so he, he really was supportive, but I realized that I had held back on doing something I felt called to do for like two or three weeks because I was afraid of how he was going to feel. And so I think in terms of when we, when we try to get healthy or we try to get happy, and I think those can be very directly correlated as well. But when we, when we make those steps, we worry about how those around us are going to perceive us, but more importantly, how we're going to make them feel. And we don't want them to feel left behind. We don't want them to think that like suddenly we think we're better than them, which we don't. We're just striving for more in our life. And it can be a really complicated and convoluted thing. And I would say if it's a spousal matter or even an an extended family matter where you're feeling that, an understanding of like, why, what am I feeling is the first part. And then then it's the understanding of like, oh, maybe I feel like I'm, how they're going to feel about this. And then just talk to them and communicate and say, hey, I'm really on this path. Don't worry. I'm not going to try to convert you to veganism or to... (laughs) Uh, praying to crystals or any, you know, any of those things. I'm not going to like, cause the people have this thing in their mindset that like life coaching or health and wellness means so many extremes and it's not the case, but 
like, I'm not going to give you anything, but I am doing this to better myself. And I, I just want to talk to you about it and essentially get your support, but also know that like, if you don't get their support, there's a whole bigger, deeper picture there. And the thing with that is, is everybody in your life wants you to be, wants you to be happy as well. Everybody that cares about you, everybody that loves you is there's this underlying thing of where we all want you to be happy. And what's so interesting about that is a lot of us fall into a people pleaser tendency, which can definitely contribute to like, I'm worried what other people are going to think about me, or um, I'm worried if I take this step, I'm going to lose the people in my life. But here's the thing. If we are leaning into people pleasing tendencies, like we all kind of do, when you look at it, the people closest to you simply want you to be happy. So if you are taking actions to help you be happier, you are pleasing those people. And so I think a mind shift like that can really be beneficial, but also sometimes, and this, I'm hesitant to say this because I've only, I've had one or two in my life in my own happiness journey. We get stuck in this concept of we see people, how we've always seen them. And it's hard for us to believe that they can change. And that's, that's on them. If you believe you can change and go back to that formula, you know, your identity, you have your vision, you are working through those mindsets and you are leading your life. That person can either come along or they can keep on looking at you the way that you were and stay stuck there. And that's, that's on them. So I, that was kind of a really long roundabout way to say, communicate with the people closest to you, lean into who you are, what you want, those beliefs that you have and having leadership in your life. And you won't lose the people around you and you don't have to worry about what they're going to think because you've already talked to them about it and said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And you've gotten their support. And I think sometimes as difficult as it is, these journeys kind of start to weed out the people who maybe you weren't as close to, or maybe you don't have the, the right relationship. And it really kind of makes you better able to appreciate those who have and are supporting you. And it kind of makes room for those extra new people (laughs) to come in and to really be that support system for you. So I'm glad you touched on the people pleasing because I mean, I know that's always something that I have struggled with and I know plenty of people in my life who was like, I just want people to be happy, but it's, that's a very comforting thought. I think people can take away where it's, if you're making yourself happy and if they, people truly want you to be happy, then that's a way to please them. And that's a great way to kind of shift that from what can I be doing to make them happy or just me being naturally better to be around. <laughs> Is that a great way to put that? Makes everybody kind of in the grand scheme of that happier. Yeah. So I want to touch on one last thing because I want to be cognizant of your time here. <laughs> And talk a little bit about perfectionism. So (laughs) again, this is a quote I found uh, in one of your blog posts that I just absolutely loved. And I think it's something that most of us struggle with is that you're not happy unless you are happy all the time. Yeah. So I love (laughs) this question, Uh, especially as a happiness mentor. I get asked this a lot of, uh, in slightly different variation, but I get asked, so is there so much pressure to be perfect and be happy all the time because you're a happiness mentor? And I need to like clear the air right now. No, (laughs) I am a human being. I have what we deem as negative emotions, but as a happiness mentor, I'm able to have worked with myself enough 
that I am able to help myself go from over here, negative emotions that I'm like, okay, why? And instead of suppressing them, I am able to identify, work through, express them in a healthy manner and come back to the other side of the pendulum and be happy. So I think that there is this idea and this concept, not only for me as a happiness mentor, but for people in general that we have to be happy all the time. And we're humans we're, and life happens to us unless there's nothing going on and you are just laying in bed all day, which even that is something happening to you that can affect your emotions and your thoughts. You are not going to be happy 100% of the time. And an understanding of that and looking at things as a whole is really helpful because then you can go, all right, today, how was today? Well, I had a couple of things happen that maybe I could have handled better, but overall I was actually pretty happy because I put the habits and routines in place that helped me feel my happiness every single day. So I think that there is, you hit it on the, the nail on the head. There is this idea and concept that perfectionism and happiness, like you should be happy all the time. And I think it's more about an understanding of what emotions you're feeling, how to actively participate in expressing them in a healthy way and understanding them so you can always come back to the more positive side of the spectrum. And I think that's a great point is that you're not, it's not about a suggestion of happiness to the exclusion of all of the other emotions. It's very much about as people, we have this beautiful array of emotions and I think if you can learn to kind of start to tap into some of those like really easy to pinpoint, like happy, sad, angry, whatever it is, you start to find some nuance then in your emotion so that, you know, there's like a little running meter every day where it's like, all right, this one was pretty good. It kind of bumped it up. This not so great. This kind of brought it down, but finding some ways to be realistic, maybe that's the way to put it about your happiness. <laughs> Because like you said, you cannot be happy all the time. And to expect that, I think, is a way to put people off of trying to explore and discover what happiness means for them. Because you're like, I can't be happy all the time. And for those who kind of maybe identify more to that perfectionist end of the spectrum, it's nice to almost have that permission to be like, this is one emotion. You should experience it pretty regularly, but... <laughs> Don't let it be to the exclusion of everything else. <laughs> well, I like to call anger specifically because, again, I was so angry all the time, uh, a blanket emotion. So I was like, okay, I'm angry. Well, if I pull back the blanket of anger, underneath it is fear, sadness, vulnerability, and all these things that I was trying to protect with anger. So if I could pull back the blanket of that and look at my mindset, then I can work through those emotions and go, okay, why am I scared? Why am I afraid right now? Oh, it's because I'm afraid what somebody's going to think of me or how I'm going to make them feel. And okay, so why am I feeling that way? And you can, there's just that level of awareness to like go down to why. Then when you know the root cause and core of these things, you can feel them. You can go, okay, this is why I'm feeling this way. I understand it now. And then you can go, I have a choice. That goes to the leadership part. I have a choice. I can continue to feel this way, or I can try to work through it, solve for it. Not a quick solve, not like a, oh, we're just going to put a band aid over it, but an understanding and go, okay, why am I feeling this way? What could I do to shift this? And then leading your life in the direction you really want to go, which for all of us inherently is that desire to be happy. So beautifully put. Thank you so much. So I like to end every episode with a little be your own bliss moment. So if there is like, one or two, whatever you like, 
feel called to talk about just some something actionable that maybe people could do now that would be that maybe that first step or two to create more happiness in their life. Yes, I would love to share two things. Uh, so first one, um, I'm going to pig, piggyback off of the emotional awareness. So I teach a method called CLEAR, and it stands for circumstance, language, emotion, action, and results. And essentially, every circumstance in your life is neutral. You got the promotion, it's neutral. You got in a car accident, it's neutral. You got married, neutral. Had a baby, neutral. Um, lost your job, neutral. The idea is that the language that we use in our mind is what attaches meaning to the situation. So if you got in a car accident and you are frustrated, irritated, angry, then your language is what is facilitating those emotions. So you're attaching that it's a negative event because you're using negative language, which almost instantaneously triggers negative emotions, which can lead to actions like getting out of the car and being mad or upset, and then it escalating with the other person who ran into you, and then the result of that being you're there for two hours waiting for the cops to be called, and it's a big fiasco, versus got in a car accident and you're going, okay, I don't have to be happy about it, but I can be neutral and go, all right, how, who do I wanna be in this situation? okay, what language am I using? I'm just going to be super neutral and ask if they're okay, get it figured out. And then your emotions are now neutralized. You can take actions that support more of a calm environment. And your results could be that it was a rear ender and their car's okay. Everyone in their car's okay. Your car's okay. You're okay. My, like, let's just call it, and it's a five minute ordeal versus a two hour big blown out thing, all because of the language in your mind. Now that's with any situation. But an understanding of the clear method is so helpful. And it's not something you can do, well, maybe you could. If you could, congratulations, I couldn't. Um, but it's not something you can normally do right off the rip, like in the moment. But it is extremely helpful retroactively as well. Like if you were in a situation, let's say you had a hard day at work and you, you were at home, you started eating cans of frosting, hey, live story here, and uh, you were watching TV and scrolling on your phone all the time. And like six hours after work, and then you're staying up late, and then you go to bed, you wake up late, you go to work, and you do that habit all the time. Well, eventually, you're gonna have to, like, you'll look at that situation, and if you know the clear model, you can take it one day at a time and say, okay, so, uh, the situation was I had a negative day at work. I had a, a rough day at work. Well, the language I'm using is that I had a rough day at work. So then the emotions I'm feeling are kind of beaten up, let down, worried maybe about my job, scared. And so the action I'm taking is trying to numb those, those emotions, those feelings. So my result is that I'm sitting here eating every day, watching TV for six hours straight, eating and watching TV for six hours straight, and scrolling through my phone. Well, if you can look at the clear model, you can go, all right, let's work it backwards. This is what the results I'm getting. These are the actions I'm taking. These are the emotions I'm feeling, taking back the blanket. Mm -hmm. And then this is the language I'm using. Oh, I had a rough day at work, X, Y, Z. Well, what if, yeah, today was a rough day at work, but oh my gosh, I learned so much. I'm never going to handle a situation like that again. I'm going to do this and this. It's so much more empowering and your emotions reflect that. And you can now work back down the method of now my emotions are at least neutral or feeling pretty positive about the day, even though it was a rough day. I've learned so much. I grew. I had a better connection with one of my team members because although we had an argument, now I feel like we understand each other better. Now your actions are, well, I actually was supposed to clean the house today or do laundry and I 
I probably should and I feel empowered to because I feel great even though it was a rough day. And then the actions and the results reflect that. So knowing the clear method is so helpful retroactively or even in the moment with lots of practice to be able to identify what language you're using and consciously make the shift so that you can get the actions and the results that you want. Oh, wow. <clears throat> that is, I love the, the ability to go back and talk about something retroactively because it's like a muscle. You have to train <laughs> how to get this to work. But I think being able to, with the benefit of hindsight, go back and see, all right, how would I have, like you said, unpeeling all of that so that maybe next time you start to feel that you're like, whoop, stop, recognize that. How do I <laughs> work through and process all of that? Well, Taylor, I want to thank you. Yes. Oh, one more thing. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I, it's just, uh, in terms of perfectionism, this is so helpful. Uh, every one of my clients, what I have them do, like they sign the contract with me and then this is the first thing I have them do and we do it for the entire 10 weeks that we're working together is that every day I have them send me a daily success. So they text me, this is my success for today. And it's really interesting because for the first like one to three weeks, it's well, sometimes four, but it, the text comes like at the absolute moment, latest moment at night, like right before bed kind of thing. Like, okay, oh yeah, I owe, I owe her a success, what's successful. And then from like four to six to seven weeks, I get them earlier in the day, like lunchtime, just had a great business meeting and that's my success. And so then after like six, seven week, all the way to week 10, I'm getting full on novel text messages about all the successes that they've had. And the thing here is, is that our brain is wired to look and remember the negative. So if we're prone mm. to perfectionist tendencies, all we remember about the day is the negative things. And so it can be hard at the start to pick a positive success that you had. But as you keep going, you'll start to identify those successes earlier in the day and habitually be like, I did that really good. I'm going to send a message to Taylor or, and you don't have to send to me, right? But you can write it in your journal, whatever it is. And then by the end of it, you're seeing all of your successes and you're learning from those negative moments. And so doing something like that every single day, just identifying a single success can be so helpful for overcoming perfectionist tendencies because you start to see the good versus the negative and perfectionism leans into the negative and refuses to see progress. Oh, yes. Yes. Because I know when I have been more consistent about trying to find what went well, the first few weeks you're like, nothing. I mean, I managed to not spill something on my white shirt. I mean, you, it feels very trivial in the beginning. And then you get to the point where you're like, no, I rocked that sales call or I, you know, made the meeting or I, it becomes so much easier. Again, it's all about this retraining our brain, isn't it? To yes. kind of <laughs> re find some new habits here where we're, okay, I'm always looking for the negative. I, it's so much easier for me to find that, but how do I start to flip that switch so that my instinct is to maybe look for the success, maybe look for that positive as opposed to being like, eh, nope, I'm only going straight for <laughs> what, didn't work, what I didn't like, the negative emotion of it. So amazing action steps. Those I am working into my... <laughs> <laughs> into my habits now because it, it those are just really great ways to be almost take a step back 
and with a critical eye and not critical in like trying to pick it apart, but being curious about how you respond in any given situation. And I think that's the point that a lot of people miss, that it's okay to be curious. We're gathering data. We're gathering information that can only help us clearly figure out our identity, which then, like you said, leads right into our vision. And it's that constant mindset work that allows us to, as a leader, make those choices that ultimately equal the happiness that we're searching. So amazing point. So thank you, Taylor, so much for taking some time to talk with me today. Where, if people are curious and want more, and I suggest you go check out more of Taylor's stuff because she's just, I only did the bare, scraped the surface, I, I think, of the amazing resources that you have out there. So where can people find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, thank you so much, by the way. Um, yeah, so a couple of places. Uh, I would say the first place that uh, has going to have the most tangible and actionable thing to take away is my Facebook group, Happiness Abounders. Uh, we're actually starting a, we start challenges for jumpstarting your happiness. So free five-day challenges to jumpstart your happiness. So highly recommend going there to jumpstart your happiness. Uh, then from there, I also have my own podcast called Happiness Abound. We have over 500 episodes, so there's plenty to choose from. Uh, whatever you're feeling that you need help with that day, lots of options. And then, of course, you can find me on social media as Happiness Abound. And then finally, finally, happinessabound.com. Perfect. Well, again, Taylor, thank you. This was amazing. <laughs> You, uh, I know that we have only barely scratched the surface of the stuff that you do, but thank you so much for taking time to talk about all of this. It's like exactly right up the alley of what I want people to kind of get out of my podcast. So I really do appreciate you taking time on this Saturday to talk to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so honored to be here and delighted to chat with you and uh, to help however I can. So thank you. It's been, it's been wonderful. Again, huge thank you to Taylor for taking the time to sit down and chat and just kind of drop so many like happiness bombs for us. I get something new every time I listen to this podcast episode. So links to all of her awesome stuff will be in the show notes. Links to all of my awesome show stuff will be in the show notes as well. And as always, remember beautiful souls, bliss is not without, it is within. Until next time. <laughs>